This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies. A better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. The Pelicans and the Nuggets tonight, the Saints and the Falcons tomorrow. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report coming to you from Studio B at the Oscar Sports Performance Center. What a great Wednesday podcast we have for you today, obviously because of those two events. It is a really crazy week here as the Pelicans are in the midst of a four-game homestand and the Saints are coming off their win against Carolina and right here on Thursday Night Football tomorrow with a huge game against the Atlanta Falcons. So we have brought in two of our favorites today uh, for you on the podcast. Number one is Wes Durham, and, and while I don't care for his team, the Atlanta Falcons, I do think that Wes Durham is one of the best radio play-by-play voices in the NFL, and he's always a very charming and, 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 and informative guest for us each time the Saints and the Falcons get together. He'll be here to help us preview tomorrow night's game, get us up to speed on all things Atlanta. There's plenty to cover there, seeing as the Saints and the Falcons aren't meeting until, what, here, first week of December for the first time this season. And then it is Wednesday, so David Wesley stops by, and David will uh, talk to us today about Monday's game against Golden State, the DeMarcus Cousins situation uh, regarding the strange affair that was the four quarters on Monday, and then obviously the remaining games in this homestand, including uh, Anthony Davis's status perhaps tonight against the Denver Nuggets. So we have a lot to cover today, and at the very end, I do want to share with you some news about DeMarcus Cousins' big event tomorrow night. Stay tuned for that. So we'll take our first break. When we come back, Saints and Falcons talk with Wes Durham, the voice of the Falcons, in just a moment. Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to do it big with your buds by scoring the Guys Night Out six-pack. Packages are available for select home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers, all for as low as $50. So do it big with the next Guys Night Out six-pack on Wednesday, December 6th against the Denver Nuggets. Visit pelicans.com to plan your next Guys Night Out today. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. West Durham is the radio voice of the Atlanta Falcons and kind enough to join us here probably for the first, two, first of two visits this month as the Saints and the Falcons will finally, finally get set to play uh, their divisional matchup starting with a uh, visit to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in downtown Atlanta this weekend. Wes, it's taken us a long time to get to you, but here we are, finally. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and going through some of this prep work, Sean, they've, New Orleans has already cleared their two games with Carolina. That was the Falcons' first division game, which didn't occur until November. Atlanta seemed to be the last to get to division play of the 32 teams, or the 31 other teams, I should say, um, which has also been kind of fascinating because all of a sudden the premium on these games 
uh, goes right to the top, and especially for Atlanta after the loss last Sunday to Minnesota. Now the premium on the ball game Thursday just becomes immense for the Falcons. I think it is for everybody, but you're right about the Falcons. And Wes, I guess you can look at it two different ways. One, like you said, there's the, the immense pressure to now cash in. But at the same mm-hmm. time, you can kind of almost forget about some of the other stuff that's happened this season. And all of a sudden, Atlanta can go from outside looking in to right there at the top in a matter of a couple of weeks. Absolutely. And that's the thing that's probably disappointing about the performance last Sunday against Minnesota was they had played so well in the three-game win streak and then all of a sudden came back and just didn't have any momentum at all. I think you give Minnesota a lot of credit. I think they've turned into a pretty good football team. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of growth has taken place since the Saints saw them in the opening week of the season. But I think the one thing about Atlanta is is that every time Atlanta's lost this year, the five losses, Sean, you can go back and look at just self-inflicted things, either, you know, penalties, unforced errors, drop passes, any of the uh, you know, lackadaisical tackling or missed tackles, if you will, that type thing. And anytime something like that happens, you can just almost look right at it and go, well, there it is. So, And that's, that's going to be a huge challenge with a team that's got as much momentum and as much really consistency on both sides of the ball as the Saints have shown. And it's impressive. I mean, I, I would have uh, – you could have gotten my mortgage and maybe a few other folding dollars in my pocket on the success New Orleans has had this year because – I didn't see it certainly on the defensive side, and uh, and I think that uh, Sean Payton and those guys deserve tremendous credit on the offensive side for creating the balance they've gotten past the run for sure. What's the biggest difference you see, Wes, in these Saints from those two meetings last year to what you might see here in the two meetings coming up? Well, one is I think you've got a bit of a heartbeat on defense, and I, I never was convinced last year that New Orleans wanted any kind of defensive presence. Uh, they didn't seem to operate with any kind of continuity on that side of the ball, if you know what I mean, um, which I'm sure frustrated Saints fans to no end. And at the same time, also meant that every ball game had the propensity to be a shootout. The second part of it was is that the thing that's that's really, I think, made the jump is I never liked the Adrian Peterson-Mark Ingram thing. And I said it on radio in Atlanta. I just didn't think it was a good mix. And I think once... Uh, Coach Payton and, and Mickey Loomis, those guys realize what they had in Alvin Kamara. They're able to make that move and say, "Okay, we can we can move on Adrian Peterson because Alvin Kamara's you know an explosive type player." I had a chance to see him play in high school. Uh, obviously, started at Alabama and then finished at Tennessee. He's an explosive run pass guy. He can do both. He's you know the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. The stuff he's done on special teams, I think, just opens up an entirely new. Uh, avenue for what uh, New Orleans can be running the ball in addition to the power and pop that Mark Ingram has. And I think a healthy Mark Ingram is also a big difference. And in fact, you could argue, Sean, I think, that, and you can confirm this better than I can, it's often it's also helped that you've had a little bit of continuity in your offensive line for the first time in, what, two or three years, it mm-hmm. seems like. Mm-hmm. Granted, you had some changes in the last couple of weeks, but but on the whole, you've had some continuity up there, and I think that's made a big difference. Too. Yeah, no no doubt. And the surprise of Ryan Ramchak, it's, it plays into that storyline as well. Wes Durr sure. is with us. Hey, Wes, what's the bigger injury-related headline here for the Atlanta Falcons? Desmond Trufant is returning this week, or that Jeff Levitre is, is out? Well, I think mean, Trufant's back and come return is going to be far bigger than Levitre not playing. Uh, 
Atlanta will use a combination of two guys, Wes Schweitzer at right guard and the Air Force captain Ben Garland at the left guard. And when I say Captain Ben Garland, I'm literally telling you he's a captain mm-hmm. um, out of the U.S. Air Force and just a real, real tough football guy. Um, but Atlanta's going to have to play more consistent in, in, in that line uh, for it to, to make a difference against New Orleans. But Desmond Trufant back at corner helps. The, the real one to keep an eye on game night is going to be Brian Poole, Sean, in all honesty. Brian Poole is the nickel. He's a game changer. Uh, he's effective against the run. He's very good in coverage. He kind of solidifies what they're doing on the back end. The last two weeks, Atlanta's kind of been like a chess game. They've been moving guys all over the board trying to find the right combinations to attack, and it's been difficult. Um, they've asked DeMonte KZ, a rookie from San Diego State, to play some critical downs. They've moved Ricardo Allen from out of the back end at safety to a corner. They've played in boundary. They've played in field. Uh, it's It's been a frustrating uh chemistry problem for Dan Quinn for sure here in the last couple of weeks. Very interesting. Interesting. Hey, Wes, I heard a national pundit this week say emphatically that the Atlanta Falcons are where they are because they've struggled at home. Um, do you concur? Yeah. And if, if you do, then, then why have they struggled at ballpark? Well, you know, like any place it's an adjustment. Um, and it's, it's a dynamic building from a fan perspective, Sean, it's the finest fan venue I've ever been in. Um, if you're coming to the ball game and you're going to, you're going to have a great sight line, whether you're 300 level or you're at the hundred level, you're going to have great sight lines. The amenities around the stadium are incredible from that perspective as well. And people stay in their seats, but they don't stay in them long. They're up and they're moving around because you can see the game while walking the concourses and in most of the elements. I mean, there are pronounced areas of the stadium, just like Dallas and Minnesota and some of these other places where you can literally stand in a corner and stand there all day and watch the game. So it's an entirely different experience for Falcon fans and football fans than the Georgia Dome was. And um, so, yeah, the momentum of what the Dome was is gone. And, yeah, there were some comments out of Flowery Branch on Tuesday. Dan Quinn talking about, you know, we've got a a billion-dollar, you know, facility, a billion-dollar house. We need to probably have a billion-dollar housewarming. And Atlanta has had momentum in the building, but not as consistently as they did against the Dome. And there is some truth to the fact that it's a different feel. Um, they're not, the, the outside people aren't the only one. The, the people that, that see the games being played know it's different, too. The lighting is different. It's full LED digital lighting. Um, so that's why on television sometimes even night games look like they're you know played in the middle of the afternoon just because of the way the facility set up. Will an arch rival in the building maybe cure that this week? Woo! <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know, these two don't lack for it, do they? No. Nope. Uh, it is amazing what happens when these two get together. Uh, you know, and the other thing, too, that, that may tilt it a little bit, and, and I think I'm, I hope I'm not overstepping the line here, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there won't be, maybe there will be as many New Orleans people that come to Atlanta, even though it's on a Thursday night. The, the fascinating thing for me about this game is that it's not a Sunday. Um, this is typically, as you know, a Sunday game, and when it is, if it's at the Superdome, then there are a bunch of Atlanta people who make the trip to New Orleans because who doesn't enjoy New Orleans? If it's in Atlanta, there are a lot of Saints fans that like to come to Atlanta and do Buckhead and get into Midtown and do all that. So, see, it really works on both sides. And now this being on Thursday night kind of changes uh, potentially the dynamic of that fan influence. So, We'll see. I think it's uh, because it's you know working toward the holiday season, things like that. 
there is an opportunity that uh, that it could be a very pro pro Falcon building, and uh, and the Falcons will need that. They'll, they need the fans to you know to help them for sure. And Atlanta can help the fans by having some explosive plays, something they didn't have much on Sunday at all. Interesting. Hey, let's end on this, Wes. You've been doing this now long enough to really know the impact of these Thursday night games. Will it, other than what you just mentioned as far as the venue goes and the fan side, players and coaches, is there a Thursday effect that you have to worry about or think about on your broadcast uh, tomorrow night? Um, a Thursday effect for the players or the coaches? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you. I think if you don't do the right thing from a from a rest standpoint, I think it can be a bit of a drag. Um, but you and I spent time in college and know this is here to stay. Now this is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the The reality of it is, and I think the smart teams uh, calm down the time they keep these guys on their feet during the week. I, I think the teams that handle this better than any are the ones that are able to. Uh, you know, kind of keep guys maybe 90 minutes on the field at most. Um, and they may even, you know, squeeze a Tuesday would be the biggest day they would do anything. And that might be 90 minutes. The rest of it might be less than an hour. Uh, I've heard of mandatory cold tubs on Monday, mandatory on Wednesday, even though they're not really doing anything just to kind of create some insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, it is fascinating, though. And the other thing, too, I give the NFL credit on for the most part. It's either division games or similar time zones. You know, um, by doing this, they try and keep it pretty simple in the approach. Now, it has been Atlanta and New Orleans, you know, here in the past, but Atlanta's also played Baltimore. I know New Orleans has also played a different team or two, that kind of thing. So they're trying their best to, to keep it, you know, within that same time zone or within that same division, and that's a smart play, too, because it, it'd be – Ridiculous to fly people across the country. Yeah, it's just absolutely insane to do it. Uh, no doubt. I mean, we we get beyond yeah. silly. Uh, last thing is this: uh, your choice here, winning factor in this football game or X factor. Pick one of the two if you've got one in mind. Winning factor for Atlanta is pretty simple, Sean. They got to turn the ball over. They got to they got to make turn. They've not been very good at all. You can see they've only had three interceptions all year. Uh, this is a different team than a year ago in terms of creating turnovers. And so I would uh, I would think for Atlanta to have any chance at all, especially against somebody as high powered as number nine back there slinging it, uh, they've got to create some turnovers. Um, and it, they have to win the turnover margin. And oftentimes I found myself saying this last Sunday, probably very applicable on uh, on Thursday as well. Is I think Atlanta probably has to be plus two. And last week they were zero in the ball game. Plus two, really? Yeah, I think they probably have to be plus two in order to win. Wow. Well, I know this. They'll they'll score more than nine points on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I will say this. I, I was uh, I, I was interested in seeing Minnesota, and I'm impressed. I really am impressed. I that's a quality. I haven't seen Philadelphia. Others have, but I'm I'm really impressed with Minnesota. And boy, you give Case Keenum a lot of credit. That is a guy who, you know, he's either going to be the next version of Matt Flynn, or he's going to be Minnesota's long-term quarterback. You know. Well, good point, man. I think we're going to be watching him a plenty. After the the Christmas uh, holiday, so. Mm. Yep. Yep. Wes, thank you very much. I know you're busy this week. Have a great time on Thursday night. We'll look forward to seeing you here on Christmas Eve. Thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. 
it would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. What is big? Big is an insatiable hunger for victory. Big is a fearsome front court with AD and Boogie. Big is packing the stands, showing your team colors, and making so much noise they give you the team ball. Come see the Pels against the Sacramento Kings Friday, December 8th for 70s Boogie Night. First 9,000 fans get a free DeMarcus Cousins bobblehead courtesy of Smoothie King. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans, do it big. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Of course, it's Pelicans and Nuggets tonight at the Smoothie King Center. And, of course, it is Wednesday, so that means David Wesley on a Wesley Wednesday. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, son? I'm doing fine. Thank you very much. David, were you ever ejected from a game during your NBA career? You know, I was actually asked that question. Um, I don't, I don't ever remember being ejected. But the last time I thought I had like twelve, uh, twelve technicals, it turned out to be like thirty-five. So um, I don't remember stuff like that. So I'm not sure if that's even um, one of those things that I can really answer. Wait a minute. Hold on. You thought you had 12 career technical fouls and you actually had 35? I, and and I, I could be shorting it still. I don't remember the exact number, but it was way more than I initially thought. Did you black out during these episodes? What was the deal? Well, you know what? Like Cousins, Cousins, if you asked him right now, he probably be, would be either – Way over or far short. He has no idea. Um, and, like, I didn't remember being that angry <laughs> on the basketball court. And clearly I was a little more angered than I remembered. So um, I got a few more technicals than I thought. That's all. The reason I bring so, this up, and not to harass you, which is always fun, by the way, um, mm-hmm. the, the reason I bring this up is to help us gain some insight as to what you know, you know we're witnessing here in the NBA in general, not just Cousins, but obviously you know we've seen Durant and Westbrook and others, uh, and Anthony Davis too, high-profile guys, kind of lose their cool a little bit here. And uh, sometimes I get it. I, I see it as rightfully so, and other times I'm like, wow, this seems to be more than I can remember. That, and so, therefore, I'm, I'm going to you as a former player to gain perspective on what we're seeing with these guys. Well, some of that is history. Um, there, you know, I would, I would, I would venture to think that there are certain matchups with certain guys that get under your skin, and when you're not getting the best of them or not getting the calls that you think you deserve, you may explode. Or there's history with certain officials. I would venture to think that the majority of my technicals came from one specific official. I don't know who that is, but some of them frustrated you the way they called the game or lack thereof. So 
if you're in that area or you continue to get a call from a specific official, so let's say you had three fouls in the first half and all of them came from the same official, that would be frustrating. And some of these ejections and some of these explosions, I have a feeling, have to do with that. Not necessarily the group as a whole, but one official. So, um, and that's not to single any official out. Once you have that history, it just continues. And sometimes the whole team has it. Sometimes one one player has it. I knew I would get specifically frustrated when I was guarding some of the tough guys like an, an Iverson, and they're giving him the flop. And he's throwing his head back, and I'm thinking, oh, come on. And I would go right up to that and I would say, hey, look, if you're giving him that call, I don't have a chance. He doesn't need help. So, and I'm probably sure, I'm sure that I got a few technicals just guarding him out of frustration of not being able to guard him without them giving him every call. I, I don't remember seeing that in the Allen Iverson documentary I watched not too long ago. It's there. Okay. All right. <laughs> When it comes to DeMarcus Cousins, David, is this just who he is and it comes with all the great that he is? Or is this something that you believe is fixable and and therefore it's it's on him to try and corral some of that, um, I, w- I don't want to say behavior, but tendencies, I guess? It is definitely on him to try to... Um, cut down on his technicals, cut down on his anger. And I think he's done that. I think he's done Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a pretty good job of trying. Um, But I also think it's something that you just, it just, that goes with it. With his talent and his abilities and his dominance on most nights, you just have to Except that, you know, when he gets between the lines, it's a switch that goes off. And when he gets in those moments, those things are going to happen a lot. And I think he's at seven technicals now. Um, that, yeah. And to think that he's not going to get to 16 at some point in this season, uh I think I would put my money on, yes, he will get 16 technicals uh, this season and probably most seasons until he decides I'm just not going to give them their money back that way. Um, Again, I said on the air the other night it's hard to officiate him um, because he creates some of the drama out there. He's a victim of some of the drama out there but he's constantly tangled up or bumping somebody or he's flopping or they are flopping and everybody's trying to get the call, he's going to be frustrated and he's going to be hit and hit in the face and not get those calls. And that frustration tends to come out in explosions. And like you said, sometimes I get it. Sometimes I'm looking like, you started that. What What is your problem? But he's trying to get an edge any way possible. 
Yeah, I think that's a great way to sum it up. He's trying to get an edge and wants to win so badly that it uh, that it can get uh, out of uh, out of proportion sometimes. Uh, look, I, I'm glad I asked you because I think I agree with most everything you said, but I needed to hear it from somebody that actually you know was between the lines of 94 and 50, and not some hack like me in a broadcast booth you know, having never played at that level. So uh, I appreciate that. I hate to start it with that, but that's where that's what I was on. That was you know. When I thought David Wesley and Wesley Wednesday, that's where I started. Is that okay? Yeah, you you thought you thought a guy that that has a lot of attitude and and what was your problem is what you were thinking, right? About you or me? About me? Oh no, I didn't know where it was, but I needed to, but I needed to know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I didn't know. I didn't know they were blacking out when you were getting technical fouls. But other than that, <laughs> clearly, I knew that you'd at least clearly. have some perspective on things. Speaking of perspective, and maybe that's just simply the, maybe that's the simple answer. You just black out. You get a technical. You don't even realize you got it. That's true. Which may, that's true. Which which may which may be the reason why uh, Cousins and Durant got their second because they forgot about the first one uh, early in the game. Could be. Was the game decided at that point, David, or did that have an effect on the end of the game in your eyes? Um. You know, as a competitor, you're you're always thinking you you have a chance, and the margin was, uh, I want to say eight, ten. We've all seen it. Uh, it doesn't happen a ton, but there's always a chance. Um, and when you're playing a team with that much talent on it, they can afford to lose a Draymond Green. They can afford to lose a Durant and still have enough out there to get it done. The Pelicans, on the other hand, with Anthony Davis already out, you really can't afford to lose your best player on the floor. Uh, and, you know, would it have made a difference? Probably not. But uh, it's certainly something that Cousins, in the moment, has to consider, um, you know, the situation. And, you know, the technical he ended up getting on the second one, when you look at the end of it, you're thinking, well, he didn't deserve that. If you roll it back just a little bit, he bumped Durant first. Mm -hmm. He did deserve it. Now, I don't know what they caught or what they saw, but they certainly said enough is enough. Go grab an early shower. Fair enough. And your wallet, too, unfortunately. Um yeah, how much of those? Are, how much of those now? Are they twenty five hundred or five thousand? I thought they were five thousand. Technical. Is that, oh, is that... You're, you're, I don't know off the top of my head. I really don't. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. They're a lot. Too much. They're a lot. They're more than I can make. I can tell you that. Um, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, David, one more thing about Monday. Was it just the better team won, and forget about the fact that one the the lesser team? And I'm not trying to disrespect the Pelicans, but. You know, the lesser team got up by 21, but the better team ended up winning the game. So is it simply the better team won the game and it doesn't matter how they got to win the game? Or does a 21-point lead of evaporating count for something? What do you think? Well, I think if you're a Golden State Warrior, you're thinking we won, and that's all that matters. If you're a Pelican then you're thinking that was an opportunity. And I, I just look at those games as 
yeah, sure, we lost to the Golden State, no big deal. But I also look at that as there was an opportunity. And how you lost it is one of those things that you go back in the film room and, and you study and you say, okay, this is what we did for 24 minutes. And this 12 minutes right here pretty much cost us the game. And it was fast. I mean, what was it, 15-0 run to start the, start the third quarter? That's troublesome because they were doing so many things right. They were moving and grooving, and oddly enough, you know, they, they did it with Cousins off the floor. That last 530 of the, of the second quarter was tremendous. Why? And how did we get so far away from that um, so quickly? And they did it with Ashik on the floor. Ashik ended the half a plus 19 and the plus minus, which was, which was wow. And then within a heartbeat, it just seemed to be a different team out there in the third quarter. Um, and it's just disappointing in that respect. You, you want the team – that is playing so well to continue to play well, but you knew the Warriors were coming. You just didn't know how fast. And they they did what they do. They have elite talent. They did the same thing the night before in Miami where they outscored Miami 37-17 to 17 in the third, and it was no longer a game. So um, when you have those kind of teams, they can – they have that ability to play better, longer than most teams, and that's why they win so many games. David Wesley from Fox Sports New Orleans here with us on the Black and Blue Report. David, the homestand continues tonight against Denver. They have injury problems. They already have one win on you, though, and they embarrassed you pretty good at their place. Um, what is what is your take on tonight? And I guess that that would also include your guess as to whether Anthony Davis plays or not. Well, I'm going to still go with no on Anthony Davis on a guess, um, simply because of where the injury is and not really knowing. I'm sure they're going to have him do some slides, some running, some some small things to kind of see how it feels. But do you take a chance this early? I don't know, and I don't think so. Um, when it comes to this Denver team, um, Real Jekyll and Hyde, uh, they are really, really tough at home, which may have something to do with such a lopsided win. 146 is a lot, but what 146 tells me is the defense was not there. Certainly they hit a lot of good shots, but the defense did not show up in Denver. Offensively, you didn't have a great night, but it wasn't a bad night. Shot over 50%, shot uh, 36 or 7 from 3, so not a terrible offensive night score at 114. You just didn't play defense. You didn't rebound the basketball. I mean, the rebounds were very lopsided, um, and this is a good paint team. This is uh, as good as the Pelicans, second in the league, Denver fourth in the league, points in the paint. So they're attacking. They're on the dribble. They're getting the ball inside. Now, they don't have Jokic. That is in the Pelicans' favor because he does a lot of things. I think he leads them in points, rebounds, and assists. So um, that's a big blow for them. They don't have Millsap. Another big blow for them. So um, this is – and they're a bad road team. They're 3-8, and 3-9, and nine, whatever it is. Um, so everything's looking like the Pelicans should win tonight with or without Anthony Davis. It's just a matter of 
getting stops, playing defense, and then going out and executing on offense. Hmm. Okay. David, I know you have to run to a production meeting. One last thing, though, is this. You know, obviously Sacramento here on Friday, but then on Sunday, we'll get our first look at this new or I guess now reemerged Philadelphia 76ers outfit, and that means Ben Simmons too. Have you given any thought to, to that matchup on Sunday or at least just wanting to see what they're all about? That's one of those teams that we don't see very much in person, but we'll finally see them here on Sunday. I am, I am looking on the league pass to record a few of those games before we play them. But I am really excited to see Embiid and, and uh, Simmons and, and see exactly what they're doing. Uh, you know, trust the process looks a lot better now that they have all these pieces, all these pieces on the floor. Um, I think their, their draft pick this year, folks, that's who, that's who they drafted, right? Yeah, Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz. Um, I think he's out, but uh, the rest of these guys, I mean, a lot of talent. Sounds like, you know, they're having a lot of fun up there. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this Philly team um, and, and see what, they, what, they, what they're really doing. I, I'm sure Simmons is a mismatch in a lot of ways, and how do you figure that out? Um, you don't – nobody has guards that are that big. It's hard to put a forward on them because he has guard-like quickness and speed and handles the ball, and he's left-handed, which makes him awkward. All left-handers are awkward to the people you've guarded your whole life that have been right-handed. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that matchup, and uh, hopefully the Pelicans can play well and get a win at home. Yeah, no doubt. Could, could still be a great homestand. Has to start well tonight against – the Denver Nuggets. David Wesley, Joe Myers, Jen Hale, Fox Sports New Orleans sit out on the television side. They'll get going at 6.30 with the ball game just after 7. David, thank you very much, and I'm I'm very glad that you're not blacking out a whole lot anymore, and uh, that makes for a good broadcast for you. I still black out. You just don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that you black out on Wednesdays when you talk to us, which I could un- completely understand. <laughs> and then I come back. Hey, how was yes. that? Go get, to your, go get to your meeting before you get all of us in trouble. David, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah thanks a lot, Sean. See you later. Super big thanks again to David Wesley, of course. I really enjoy when he comes by on Wednesdays here during the NBA season. Well, that'll do it for us on this uh, Wednesday's Black and Blue Report. Thanks as well to Wes Durham, the voice of the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, we talked a lot there with David about DeMarcus Cousins, and, uh, and I wanted, to, wanted it to be in a respectful way and in a way that helps us understand uh, not only his situation, but the Pelican situation surrounding him and everything else. And as David and I talked about, there's no denying the type of talent that he is. There's also no denying the type of person he is. And I've got to know, gotten to know him here uh, over the last few months in a much better way. And tomorrow night actually is going to be a big example of what I have now known about DeMarcus Cousins. And that is this, this selfless heart and a heart that uh, really reaches out to those, uh, especially our young people, that might be in need and uh, and can take a little uh, joy off the big fella. That's for sure. Uh, we heard about these stories when he was in Sacramento. He's now doing it in New Orleans as well as his hometown of Mobile, Alabama. But tomorrow night is one of those Santa Cuz events. <laughs> and it'll happen at the Target store on Vets from 6 to 7 tomorrow. When Boogie does Santa Cuz, uh, he invites uh, a number of young folks over, they receive a $200 gift card to Target to go and shop 
uh, for Christmas gifts uh, for themselves. And, and if some they want to choose to get something for somebody else, they can. But they also get to spend time with DeMarcus. This is a very big deal for him. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that, the, that one of those events is tomorrow night uh, right there in Metairie. So congratulations to DeMarcus on that front. As you mentioned, Pelicans and Nuggets tonight. Obviously, Saints and Falcons tomorrow. We'll have a Facebook Live version of Black and Blue Report for you on Friday and hopefully a lot of good things to talk about. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. We'll see you next time here on the Black and Blue Report.